Hey, welcome to Central Christian Church Online. We're so honored that you've joined us and tuned in. Uh, Shout out to all of you tuning in here in the Bay Area. Uh, Those of you in other parts of of this country and all around the world joining us here for Church Online. Welcome to Central. Hey, what a great week it has been here in the Bay. If you were able to join us for our blood drive this week, how cool is it getting to partner with the Red Cross? Special shout out to Ronnie Lenz and and Miss Kristen for helping pull off such a timely event. Uh, Man, it's good to make an impact right here where we're planted. Special thanks to all of you who who donated your time and and donated some blood to save lives here in the Bay. Well, hey, we're in week eight of our series, Running with the Giants. This will be the final week of this series as we've been getting practical tools to run our race well here in this life. And here's been our theme verse throughout this entire series. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12. And in verse one, it starts off with therefore. And as I've been talking about throughout this series, anytime you see that word therefore in the Bible, you got to go back and see what it's there for. And in Hebrews 11, we read about this hall of fame of faith, these giants of the faith, these men and women who ran their race well. And here's the deal. They were men and women just like you. Uh, just like me. They didn't always get it right. They were not perfect. They were flawed individuals, but they held on to hope. Things they could not see. They believed God for the impossible. Some of them saw it fulfilled in their lifetime. Some of them after they were gone, but they ran their race well. And, and this author says, therefore, in light of what they've done, now we are surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run our race well. Let's, let's run our race with with. with Perseverance, this rule of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And, and I just, I appreciate the Bible being honest that this race isn't always easy. There's some things that can trip us up, some things that can slow us down. But, but my prayer for you, especially in, in these days as, as school's going back and, and many of you are, are doing distance learning with your kids, you teachers out there, man, we've been praying for you. And, and here's been my prayer for the, the central family, my prayer for you this school year, that we'd have perseverance that we would have perseverance to run this race that's marked out for us. God has a race marked out for you. And here's what you need to know. Out of everyone in the history of humanity, he chose you to navigate 2020. He chose you to live where you live, to work where you work, to serve where you serve, to be neighbors with that individual that maybe their dog starts barking super early in the morning. He he chose you and this race marked out for you to make an impact in this time, in this space. And so throughout this series, we've been looking at these, these giants of the faith that ran their race well so we can get some tools for our tool belt to run well as and also Uh, so today we're inviting uh, a hero of the faith a guy that did not always get it right this guy named Jonah out of the grandstands and onto the track the book of Jonah is four short chapters encourage you to read it and ask yourself what's this what's the book of Jonah teach me about God What's it teach me about humanity and how am I doing in those areas of my life? And, and so this, this story of Jonah is going to kind of serve as a mirror for us to take some, some inventory. But, but up front, you need to know that Jonah doesn't always get it right. He makes some mistakes. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of comforting because some of us, we make some mistakes from time to time. Uh, we, the human race, uh, are very flawed people. Uh, one thing we say around here at Central is we are imperfect people in progress. Like, I'm not perfect. We're just following the God who is perfect. You're not perfect, but thank God he is. And uh, we're just pursuing him, becoming all that he created us to be. So before we start this, this message, I thought it'd be fun to play a little game. So I'm going to show you five pictures 
of some people who, who didn't always get it right. They've made some mistakes and, uh, and we've captured them on, 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 on a photo of them. Uh, and in the chat, I want to invite you to post uh, one, two, three, four, or five. There are five pictures. Which one do you think is the dumbest of them all? One of them that you would never do. So get ready to post in the chat. Here's the first picture. We got this guy welding. Uh, I don't know if you can, can see this. I don't know if we can get a tight tight shot of this, but this guy's got a plastic bag over his head while welding. I mean, masks are important, but don't put a plastic bag over your head, people. Not a good move. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, this is a police officer with a, a shotgun resting on his bumper. Uh, I want you to know this is not a United States police officer. This is a news article from another country, uh, but I think this guy missed training day. Not a good idea. Here, here's the next picture. Now, some of you have done this, right? I mean, you're like, we don't need to strap it on. I'll just hold the refrigerator. It's only, we're only going a block. But uh, this usually doesn't work out too well. Here's the next picture. Yeah, I mean, what if the horse misses? Let's just talk about this for a minute. Not a great, great moment for humanity. Uh, and then the final, man, I'm all for clean windows, but I don't know if you can see it. This guy's on a skyscraper cleaning his windows on a ledge with no shoes on. What if he falls? I mean, I, would, I will just, my wife can testify. I will just go with some dirty windows, especially if it goes to this extent to clean them. But, uh, but hey, let us know in the chat which one you think is the dumbest, uh, the biggest mistake. One, the welder. Two, the shotgun on the bumper. Uh, three, the refrigerator on top of a car. Four, the horse jumper. Or five, the window washer. If you're watching this midweek or listening to the podcast, you just have to play along and use your imagination. So in the chat, if you're watching live, let us know. Let us know what you think. But I'm just saying that to say, man, we've all made some mistakes. We haven't always got it right. Uh, thankfully, unlike Jonah, our mistakes are not documented in the, the best-selling book in history. I mean, the Bible is the best-selling book, and Jonah's blunder, Jonah's mistake is documented for us to read today. And so the first thing Jonah would say to you, to me, as he steps out of the grandstands, here's the big idea. The first thing he says, if you're taking notes, when you, when you have blown it, and you feel like, I don't have any hope. I mean, have you been there? Like, if you knew what I did, I'm not sure I can recover from this one. Like, like man, I've made such a big mistake. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure God will accept me back. I'm not sure I'll be able to see my, my family and look at them in the same way again. I mean, you, you reflect on what you've done, and, and maybe you just cringe on the inside. And you're like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can bounce back from this one. Jonah would say, when you know that you have blown it, and you feel like there's no hope, here's what you need to know. God's love refuses to let go. God's love, it refuses to let go. He's got you in his grip. Let's look at the story of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it, it reads this. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And here's the instructions. Here's what he says. Go. You got to go. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness has come before me. Uh, but here's the deal. So clear direction, go to Nineveh. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Just pause here for a moment. It's interesting to me that it doesn't say Jonah ran away from Nineveh. No, Jonah ran away from the Lord. And so we can, we can take from this text, like whenever we disobey what God's clearly asked us to do, we're not running from the assignment we're running from the assigner. We're not running from, from the, what God's asked us to do. We're actually running from, from God him, 
himself. He's not running from Nineveh. He's running from, <laughs> the Bible says he's running from the Lord. I just think that's, that's interesting. It goes on to say this. Uh, so it came to, and he ran away from the Lord, and he headed for, for Tarshish. Uh, he went down to Joppa, and there he found a ship, and he boarded for, the, uh, for that port. And after paying the fare, and it's interesting that, that man, every time we run away from God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us something. It costs Jonah very personally. It's going to cost those around him, as we see in a moment. But, but, but it's going to cost us whenever we run from what God asks us to do. And he went down, and he went aboard, this, the, and he sailed for, for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Nineveh uh, is a place that, that Jonah's running from, but he's really running, running from the Lord. But a couple of things you need to know about Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Uh, today, this is located in, in northern Iraq. Uh, Tarshish is located on the coast of Spain. And so, so literally, uh, God told Jonah, I need you to go to northeast to Nineveh. And, 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 and preach to these people, tell them uh, this message I have for them. And so Jonah's like, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a great idea for someone else. And he, he heads south, southwest for the coast of Spain. He's like, I'm not doing that. Jonah is clearly running from what God asked him to do. And, and check this out. Jonah's a prophet. And prophets, I mean, they're, they're pretty spiritual people. I'm sure Jonah knew how to pray pretty well. The problem was that Jonah knew how to pray, but he, he wasn't really great at obeying. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. Some of us, man, we, we know what to say, how to say it, when to say it. But when it comes to the application of it, man, we, we fall short from time to time, don't we? And Jonah, Jonah can relate to that because he, he lived that. And while, while we're going to talk about Jonah, um, just a spoiler alert in this, this book. Uh, there is a big fish. And Jonah gets, gets swallowed by this, this big fish. Uh, so just want you to know that up front. But here's what I would ask of you before we get to that section. Don't miss uh, the elephant in the room because of the big fish in the story. The story of Jonah is not about what's going on in the belly of a fish. It's about what's taking place in the heart of a man. And so don't miss what the heart of this message. Don't miss the elephant in the room because of the fish in the story, because God is more concerned what's taking place in your heart, in my heart today, and in Jonah's heart in this story than the elements surrounding this story. Now, I think it's fascinating. I'd love to have a dialogue about, about that, but I would just invite you to set that aside. Let's focus on the heart of, of this. So... Um, before we get too far in, um, just a quick question. Have, have any of you ever ran away from home? Uh, man, when I was 14 years old, I, I ran away from home. Uh, I stole my mom and dad's car, uh, took a couple of guns, and I just, I just ran away. And here's the thing about when I ran away, and if you've ever ran away, I'm, maybe this is true of you as well. I didn't know where I was going. I just knew I was leaving. It wasn't about where I was heading to. It was about what I was running from. And just a, a little caveat, I wasn't an abused child. My parents loved me and wanted to be a, a man of God and a man of character. And, and I wanted to smoke dope and do my own thing. And so I was like, I, I can't handle the oppression of that. Uh, so shout out to my parents for being faithful and loving me through those trying times. But I didn't know where I was headed. And I, I think that's true for Jonah. He wasn't about Tarshish. It was about Nineveh. I'm not going there, so I'll just go to whatever, whatever is next. And for many of us, like Jonah, the cost of obedience is too high of a price to pay. And so we're not sure where we're going. We just know we're not, not going to do what God asked us to do because it's, it's costly. 
And so we're running. We don't know where we're running to, but we just know we're not doing that thing that he wants us to do. And so this would be the, the second fill in the blank if you're taking notes, and I, and I hope you are. Uh, the second fill in the blank is this kind of cliche, but it's so true. And the story of Jonah highlights this, that delayed obedience is really disobedience. Like Jonah's eventually going to do what God asked him to do. But man, it takes a long time and it cost him deeply. Obedience, it's not to be a buzzkill. Uh, here's the deal, like God's the creator of the universe. He knows how you're wired. He knows what will make you come alive. And so his instructions in his word is designed to make us alive. But whenever we disobey, it's kind of like if you have a dimmer switch in your house, or maybe you've seen one of these, like, like these switches that you can crank the lights up or you can bring the lights down. And whenever we disobey what God's asked us to do, it's kind of like pulling that dimmer switch down a little further, a little further, a little further, until it's like, or it feels like we're in pitch black. It's like we're running through the woods with no lights on. And God's hope for you, God's hope for me, is that we would, we would crank that light switch up. We would be obedient to his word. The psalmist said that your, your word is actually like a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. That's just not cognitively knowing it. It's the application of his word. It, it illuminates where we're supposed to go. So we got a uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. And it's not, it's not because God's out to get you. He actually wants to, to help you and wants you to keep, keep the lights on. So today we're going to learn, though, from Jonah what we can anticipate when we choose to turn the lights down, what we can choose to anticipate whenever we, we say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do in that area of my life. But before we get to that, we're going to get four, four things we can learn. But before we get to that, Jonah would ask for me to share with you a little context in this story. And he would say, hey, Tim, let the central family know that it wasn't just that I was running for Nineveh. Tell them a little bit of the background. And here's what you need to know about Nineveh. Nineveh, like I said, was the capital city of Assyria. It was the largest nation at the time. It was the world-dominating power. And these Ninevites were, well, they, they weren't the kindest people. They were brutal. They, 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 they treated people very harshly. Not only did they have a, a huge army that would come, and, and even if you had a fortified city, they could knock down your walls and come get you. But they also had a great navy. And, uh, and John would probably describe them a lot like Vikings. The story of the Ninevites is that they would load into boats and they would attack port cities at night. Often the, the stories go is that they would be dressed in animal hides and have like animal faces, almost like we would think of, of Vikings. And uh, then they would go to these port cities and they would take, take everyone captive. And they would take the men after they had taken the city captive and they would bury the men up to their neck in sand. And they would run a spike through the men's tongue and make them watch as they pulled out every man, every woman, every child in that city and, and did unspeakable things to them. And the men of the city would have to endure that. And if that weren't enough, the men would watch them kill their, their wives, their kids right in front of them. But then they would unearth them from the sand and these Ninevites would fillet the men alive. And they would throw their hides over the city wall. Then in act of mercy, they would chop off their heads and stack the heads of the men at the entrance to that city. So the next time someone came to that port, they would know the Ninevites had been there, the Assyrians had been there, and you don't mess with them. Now, certainly the shadow of the word Nineveh reached further than their military forces. But we don't know if Jonah maybe had cousins who experienced such torture. We don't know if it was his relatives, if it was his friends. Maybe he lived in a city that, that had experienced something similar to this from the Ninevites. 
But we just know that whenever God says go to Nineveh, he's like, it's not happening. We read earlier that, that God actually calls this city a, a great city, the great city of Nineveh. Now it was the world's largest city at the time, great in population, great in commerce, great in wealth, great in military strategy and force, great innovators and, and technology savvy, but they were not great morally. When you think about that, I mean, think of a, a city in California. I mean, great innovators, great population, leading the way in technology of the day. I mean, what, what city might, might come to mind in California? I mean, maybe Hollister or Castroville or something, I don't know. Maybe in the chat, post a city that maybe comes to mind for you. But Jonah, he, he, he's like, I'm not going there. So he pays this fee and he, he goes a different direction. And he, I think Jonah would say, man, I thought it would bring me peace. I thought I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I thought I could do my own thing and I thought I could sleep at night. But man, when I ran from God, here's what I found. Every step away from what God asked me to do is a step down. I think he would say to you, every step you take away from God is a step down. We read this in the story. I mean, Jonah, he went down to Joppa and then he goes down to this port and then he goes down into the bottom of a boat. Then he goes down into the ocean and then he gets swallowed and he goes down into the belly of a fish. I think Jonah would simply remind us that every step, every step from what God says, what God asks us to do, it's going to result in a step down in our lives. And so let's jump in. Four insights today, four insights, things we can anticipate to happen every time we say no after God says go. Here's what we can anticipate. Here's the first thing. Whenever we say no, we can expect a storm. We can expect a storm. God cares more about what's happening in your life and the impact that he desires to make through your life than the comfort that we experience in this life. He's got big plans for us and he loves us enough when we deviate off course to send a storm to get us going back in the direction he wants us to. Some of you know this firsthand. I mean, some of you have, have very clearly ran from God in some very big areas of your life and you've experienced that storm. Others of you, uh, maybe you've, you, you haven't, it wasn't uh, this huge monumental catastrophe, but you know what it's like to hear, hear God uh, ask you to be, be generous in this area, maybe to give financially to this organization or to this individual. And, and sometimes we can stiff arm that. Or maybe he's asked you to, to pray for that individual and you're like, anybody but them. I'm not gonna do that. And so whenever we, we, we ignore that, we can, expect a, we can expect a storm. Here's what it says in Jonah chapter one, uh, beginning in verse, verse four. It says, then the Lord uh, sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm, there it is, arose that the ship was threatened to break up. I mean, the, the ship's ready to fall apart because of this storm. Uh, Jonah probably felt like in this moment, I can't get away with anything. I don't know if you have a, maybe you've had a praying mom. I mean, praying moms are the worst, right? I mean, I mean, they're the best, but they're the worst. I remember whenever I would get in trouble from uh, maybe with law enforcement or school administration, I would talk to my mom afterward and she'd say, Tim, you know what? I've been praying for this. I've been praying whenever you get off course that God would bring you back in line. And, and maybe this will be the moment, Tim, where you, you go all in with God. You surrender. You allow him to use this to make a difference in your life. I mean, that was, it's awesome now looking back in the moment. I was like, 
praying moms are the worst. They know everything. And I'm here because my mom prayed about this. But now as I reflect, I would say that some of the darkest moments in my life led to the greatest change in my spiritual journey. And so here's Jonah. He's running from God, but God cares too much about Jonah and the people God's called Jonah to to let him go off scot-free. And, uh, and so, so in this story, we're going to read it in just a moment, uh, but, but Jonah and his, his buddies that he's with on this boat, they try to run a, row away from God and, and try to outrow the storm. And I don't know if you've been there. Maybe you're watching this today and, and you're like, you're rowing the opposite direction. You know God's actually do some stuff, but you're just rowing as fast as you can. And I would just simply pause in this message to ask you, how's that working out for you? I've tried to row away from what God's asked me to do, and, and I've just learned it's exhausting, and he always wins. And so uh, I would just invite you to take this moment to turn back, just do whatever he's asked you to do. So if you're in a rowing competition with God, we can stop rowing and just turn back from him. Let's let the storm pass. Second thing he asked us to do, or we can anticipate rather, uh, whenever Whenever um, we're running from God, whenever God says go, we say no. Uh, we can expect a storm. Second thing we can expect, we can expect to put others in danger. When Jonah decided to go against God's best, he endangered not only himself, but everyone else around him. And I think one of the greatest lies the enemy feeds us is that our choices only impact us. He doesn't want us to see the, the wake of destruction that that one choice can make in our lives and in the lives of people behind us. Some of you have experienced this firsthand. I mean, you were faithful in the marriage and they weren't. And now there's a wake of destruction. You're, you're in that wake. Your family, your kids are in that wake. You know what that's like. Some of you have, have left a wake of destruction. It was you who caused it, right? And you've had to look family members. You had to look friends in the eyes as tears rolled down their face as you had to own up to the consequences of some bad choices. But whenever we, we run from God's best, man, we can expect to put others in danger. It's kind of like uh, you've seen runners in a race and we, we read Hebrews 12 and it talks about us being in this race. We're, we're on this racetrack. But maybe you've seen racers that uh, maybe with the motocross especially, one, one motorcyclist crashes and what happens? There's like a pile up behind them. Life's kind of like that. Man, the enemy wants to take you out because God loves you so much, but he also wants to take out those around you. And, uh, and Jonah's experienced this. He, he's running from God, but the other people are in danger as well. well let's read it. In Jonah chapter 1, uh, verse 5 to 16. It says, all the sailors were afraid, and they each cried out to his own God. And they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Uh, but Jonah had gone down below uh, where he was asleep. And, uh, and he, he'd gone to a deep sleep. Then the captain came to him and said, how can you be asleep? Like, get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that, that we will not all perish. Then he goes on to say, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. Uh, so they cast lots and it fell to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us. Um, tell us who, who's responsible for, for making all this trouble for us. They're like, what kind of work do you do? Like, who is your boss anyway? And where do you come from? And where is your country? And, and, and where, what people are, are you from? And he goes on to say, here's Jonah's response. He answered, uh, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made heaven and earth, the sea and, and dry land. And this terrified them and they asked, uh, what have you done? 
And they knew that he was running away from the Lord because, because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, what should we do with you to make the sea calm down for us? Then he goes on to say, pick me up. Jonah says, throw me into the sea, he replied, and, and it will become calm. I know this is all my fault and because this great storm has come upon us. And so instead, here it is, the men, they, they, tried to, they tried their best to row back to land. And it didn't work out too well for them. It won't work out too well for us either. Uh, but they could not. And the sea just grew, the storm just got, got rougher, got crazier, grew wilder before them. Then he goes on to say, then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not, uh, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the sea, the raging sea grew calm. Check that out. And this, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to him. Just an observation. It's interesting to me in this story that some very unspiritual people become very spiritual in the midst of a storm. And while this spiritual man, he, he behaves in very unspiritual ways in the midst of this storm. Everyone in the story is praying besides Jonah. In fact, we don't see Jonah pray until he's in the belly of this fish on the third day. And here's what a simple observation would be. Don't wait till you're in the belly of a problem to pray. Let's be people who don't wait till we're in the belly of the problem to pray. Oftentimes prayers are our last resort when it should be our first response. I mean, you've probably heard people say, well, I don't know what else to do, but pray. Well, that's a good place to be and that's a good place to start as well. It's amazing how the storm, storms can either harden our hearts or soften our hearts. We see that in this story. In this season, called 2020, this storm, this year, this season can harden your heart or it can soften your heart. To the sailors, it softens their heart and they cry out to God for help. But this, this man who is supposed to be spiritual, he's hardening his heart and he doesn't call out to God. Jonah would rather lose his life than change his life. And I'm just saying that's a scary moment. And these men on the boat are, are praying for forgiveness but the one who knows better, he, he's just not even praying at all. It's crazy, right? I mean, Jonah, he's running from God. He goes to this port city, not praying. Gets on this boat, storm comes, still not praying while the sailors are praying. He, he goes, goes up to the boat, hey, it's my fault, the storm's here, still not praying. The, the sailors even ask him to pray. It doesn't say Jonah's praying. They throw him overboard into the ocean. Jonah's still not praying. I mean, you would even start praying at that point. I would start praying at that point, right? You'd start praying a lot, lot, lot sooner, I'm sure. But then, then this fish is coming. It's like a Jaws moment. Dunna, 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 dunna. And swallows Jonah. He's still not praying. He's in the belly of this fish day one, not praying. Day two, not praying. Finally, day three, Jonah breaks down. And he starts to call on God. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a stomach acid. I don't know if it was him realizing that there's only two exits on this boat. Uh, door number one looks pretty good. Door number two is a stinky option. God help me. I don't know. I don't know what the case may be. But Jonah doesn't, it doesn't pray. 
His story just just highlights that not only does Jonah's disobedience cost Jonah a whole lot, but Jonah's disobedience, it cost those around him a whole lot. And I'm just pleading with you, man, let's be mindful of that. That not only does my disobedience cause a storm in my life, but my disobedience, it impacts those around me. And so, so does yours. It impacted Jonah's, that's for sure. The third observation we see whenever God says go and we say no, we can expect a storm, we can expect a danger of those around us. The third thing, here's some good news, we can expect a fish. We can expect a fish. Now, a fish looks different for all of us in different seasons. Jonah's fish looks different than your fish, but here's what fish provide all of us. Your fish will provide you this. A fish is a holding tank to allow you to think about what's going on in your life. A fish is an opportunity for you to, to take a pause and just to reassess where are you at? How are you doing? Are you living up to your values? Are you, are you becoming the man or woman that, that you want to be and that God created you to be? A fish is really an opportunity that, that you have not taken yourself that now God provides for you to reflect, for you to pause, for you to take some inventory. And why a fish? I mean, why does God provide a fish? Because God is a God of second chances and second choices. Because God loves you so much. He loves you too much to allow you to drown in your own poor choices. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for that. Here's what the Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, I, I think of the fish oftentimes as God's punishment, but that's not what the Bible says. It says, it says now the Lord, he provided He provided this. He's not here to punish Jonah. He's providing for Jonah. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The fish wasn't punishment. It was God's provision. Now I don't know what your fish looks like. I don't know what storms you may be facing. But here's what I know. Whenever we we run from God, what God asks us to do, we can expect a storm, we can expect to put others in danger, we can expect a fish, and then finally, we can expect the same assignment. Whenever we we come back to our sense, we're like, okay, God, whatever you want, he's going to say, hey, go and do the thing I asked you to do in the first place. We read about this over and over in the Bible. Uh, You know, I think Jonah, like many of us, had hoped like, hey, I don't... God, God, we gave God some time and, and God's like, you know what, Jonah, thanks. Thanks for that breather. I've thought about it and uh, you don't have to go to Nineveh. How about Paris? Let's go to Paris. Now, after, after Jonah's disobedience, he got the same assignment once again. We read about it in Jonah chapter two, beginning in verse 10. It says this, and the Lord uh, commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. Uh, in church terms, we say, God launched Jonah into ministry, right? Like, hey, here you go, buddy, go and do what I asked you to do. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh, almost verbatim, the same thing he said in chapter one, and proclaim the message I give you. And this time, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Scriptures are littered with stories like this. 
last week, Pastor Judd shared a story about the Israelites in the desert, in the wilderness, right? And, uh, and, and you might remember the story if you're familiar with your Bible, but, but Moses led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They, they, they went to this, the brink of this promised land and Jonah, or sorry, Moses sent in 12 spies. Like, hey boys, go check out the land. Let me know what kind of agriculture there is. Is it inhabited? Is, it, is, there, is there walled cities there? What kind of people live there? Bring back some fruit. And so these 12 spies go in and they come back with this report. And 10 of them are like, we would, but there's giants there. We can't do it. And, and two of them say, know what? God who promised us, he's able. And, uh, but because of the 10 people, they spread a bad report. The nation of Israel, they wander in the desert for four, 40 years, 40 years in the desert. And you know what they got to do after 40 years? God brought them back and said, hey, go take that land I told you to take 40 years ago. I'm just saying, same for Jonah, same for the nation of Israel. We can look at story after story in the Bible where we see this to hold true. And here's the principle. Disobedience doesn't change the destination. It just delays us arriving at God's best. Disobedience doesn't change the destination. It just delays our arrival at God's best. And so some of us here today listening to this, we've been running from what God's asked us to do. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's small, but hey, the same destination is awaiting for us. Let's not delay it. And if God's called you to it, it's probably going to be good because he always has, always has your best interest in mind. So here's a question. What destination have you been avoiding? What area of your life has God put his finger on and you're like anything but that? Maybe you've been waiting for the right circumstances or the right climate to take action. I would simply implore you, don't wait any longer. Delayed obedience is disobedience. It causes storms. It impacts those around us. It, there's gonna be a fish that comes and that may be good, maybe bad, depending on your perspective. Uh, but, but here's the deal. There's always gonna be the same destination awaiting for you at the end of that journey. Take action on what God's asked you to do. And some of you, you've been running from God and you just know it. Like maybe a friend invited you to this, maybe a family member did. And you're like, I don't even believe in any of this stuff. And I'm saying that's okay because God believes in you and he has good plans for your life. He has big things in store for you. Maybe you feel like Joan, you say, I don't think, I think I've blown it so much. I'm not sure God would ever take me back. I'm not sure I could ever come back into the family of God after what I've done, after all I've done the choices I've made. I've gone, I've just gone too far. And maybe that's how you feel. Well, I want to invite you to lean in for just a moment. Here's the big idea. Here's, here's the key truth rather that I hope you take away today. Here's what Jonah would say. God's not interested in paying you back. God's interested in bringing you back. He provided a fish not to pay Jonah back, but rather to bring Jonah back. He provided a storm. He provided a fish. He bent natural laws. He bent scientific boundaries to bring Jonah back. And he'll do the same for you because God's not trying to pay you back. He wants to bring you back. And in this time, God has so clearly called us, his church, to shine brighter than ever before. And honestly, some of us, we can stiff arm that reality and not, not bring a message of hope to a world that desperately needs it. Or, or, or maybe this is our, our wake up call to say, you know what, you're right. 
I need to love my neighbor. I need to help in practical ways. I need to, I need to be more faithful in that area of my life. I think Jonah would simply remind us, lean in to whatever God's asking you to do. And if God's calling you back, he's got good things in store for you. So I think for all of us today, wherever you are, maybe you've, you've been following Jesus your whole life. Maybe you're a very spiritual person. Maybe you even have a title like Jonah. He was a prophet. He was, he was, he was familiar with spiritual things, but he just got off track. And maybe that's where you are, and today would be your day just to come back and say, you know what, God, my life's yours, whatever assignment you have for me. If you say go, I'm saying yes. Whenever you talk, call me to take action, I'm your man. You can count me in. And there's those of you here today, you're, you're tuning in online, and maybe you've never crossed that line of faith. You're not really even sure about this whole, whole church thing. Well, I would simply invite you. To, to cross the line, to engage with Jesus, to have a relationship with him. It'll be the most daring adventure you ever embark on, but it will cost you all that you have. Jesus invites us to go all in for him because he went all in for us. And so if you want to cross that line of faith today, or maybe you need to just surrender your life and come back to him, I would invite you to say a simple prayer along these lines with me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus into this world. I believe that he died on a cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe he rose again. God, today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my mistakes. Even the ones that I think are insurmountable, the things I think are too big. God, I believe you're big enough to remove them. And I pray, God, today you would give me the gift of eternal life. Now, now everyone watching this, I invite you to say this to God. You say these words, Jesus, from this day forward, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if that was your commitment to God for the first time, giving your life to Jesus and crossing that line of faith, we would love to hear from you. We got some resources actually that we would love to, to get into your hands to kind of launch you on this spiritual journey. And so you could just text one word, Jesus, to this number on the screen, 408 944 5402. That's one word, Jesus, to 408-944-5402. The Bible says this, that, that whenever one person makes this commitment, crosses this line of faith and surrenders their life to Jesus, that all of heaven throws this huge celebration. So if you're watching today online with us live, maybe in the chat, put some hands together. In your living room, put your hands together. But man, if that was your commitment, please know we're cheering for you. Heaven's cheering for you. We got your back. God's in your corner and the best is ahead of you. Well, man, it was awesome being a part of uh, the blood drive. We got more in-person events coming up. And so if you would like to get information about some of those things happening around here at Central, uh, we would simply invite you to fill out a digital connection card. If you're watching live, that's in the box right above me. If uh, you're watching this later, you can simply go to our website and fill out a connection card. We'll add you to our weekly uh, newsletter, keep you in the loop on some things that are happening around here at Central. But I thought it'd be appropriate for us this week as, as many of you have already got about a half week in of school. Many of you are going back to school this week. Some of you have grandkids, family members that are in school. All of us could use a little bit of help in this season. So I thought I would close with this blessing found in uh, Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26. It simply says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. God's got you in his grip. 
hang on to that promise this week.